0: Connecting life and faith. This is connections. I remember just
1: waiting in the doctor's office, and I had this notepad with our with our questions for the doctor, and I was writing Please God Help us save him heal him And I started writing this over and over and over and scribbling it and Ernie was glancing over at me thinking, hmm. and I was just it was just screaming in my head please save him and the doctor walked in and our normally very serious oncologist smiled and said I'm very pleased the cancer is almost gone and we were weeping with joy and that gave us just the strength to, to Keep
2: going now Heather Ginter and her husband Ernie were blessed with a total of 13 months from the time he was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer until his death today on connections Heather is sharing her powerful testimony of how even through this dark time in this rough patch she was able to find God and at the age of 46 she was baptized she shares this powerful testimony with us today we're joined today by Heather Ginter. She has an absolutely powerful testimony, which we really want to get around to this testimony and the story of your life. But we want to get to know you a little bit better and life before this testimony. Tell us about yourself.
1: I grew up near Steinbeck. And I grew up in a loving home, but uh, not really a Christian home. And... Uh, I was not really taught much about um God, but I had uh, a wonderful uh, girlfriend when I was younger and um when I stayed with her family, that's where I found out more about God and uh when I was about nine, we moved to Winnipeg, and I kept in touch with this uh this friend and whenever we were about twelve, we went to Red Rock Bible Camp together. I went there mostly to spend time with her, but a wonderful thing happened, and um, I became a Christian. I found out more about Jesus, and I became a Christian. However, when I was back home, since my family wasn't really religious, I still didn't go to church, and so I always considered myself a believer in Christ, but I was not a follower of Christ. and. I graduated uh, from the University of Winnipeg uh, with a Bachelor of Arts degree uh, majoring in English and french and around that time, I met my husband ernie and he was um, a divorced man from from Paraguay, and uh, we started our our life together because he was divorced he had um, you know, a bad, let's say a bad experience with his church, where he felt he was being judged. So here we were like two, um, two believers in Christ, but we weren't followers of Christ. And uh, We did not go to church too often. And, um, For what to say exactly yeah I think that
0: now. makes that makes sense to a lot of people. They probably relate to that right now, actually, right, for one reason or another, find themselves not living out the faith they have because of a variety of reasons tell us Tell us a little bit about Ernie, what attracted you to him, what did you love most about Ernie, that kind of stuff
1: when I met Ernie, I was twenty, and uh We we hit it off very quickly on our first date. Um, I, I I knew he was the one for me, even though he had he was divorced and had two uh, small kids. Um, it didn't matter to me. Um, I I just knew from date one that this was the man for me, and we were we were very much in love, but we were also best friends. And he became everything to me. Um, He was a very funny guy. Anyone that was lucky enough to to know him knew. He he loved nothing better than teasing. He was also extremely talkative. Um, He had these stories that were (laughs) never-ending. And uh, he, he was just the kind of man that gave his shirt off his back. He was just... He was a very loved man, and um, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, be his wife for almost 21 years.
2: What was your favorite part about him? My favorite part was
1: how he made me laugh and how he always had my back. He was always there for me. He actually he was he was a great husband, but he, he spoiled me. He did everything for me and he was just always there for me. And I could tell him anything. There were a few times where I, I, I made a silly mistake, you know, uh broke something. I thought, Oh, I'm not gonna tell him this. But immediately I told him. And it was it was fine and he would make a big joke out of it. And uh he, he was such a, a physically healthy guy. Uh, When he was 40, he followed his uh, dream and became um, a successful arborist. And he he was just so well-loved by um, his clients and his friends.
0: Now, uh, tragedy struck. Your world was turned upside down. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened to Ernie and what it was like when you first got the news of the diagnosis? In
1: 2017, uh, he was diagnosed with uh, gallstones. And so he had his uh, gallbladder out, and the doctor actually um, rushed him into rushed the surgery because we had a planned trip to Costa Rica to celebrate our twentieth wedding anniversary, and the doctor said you're not going to miss this because of of gallstones. And so he went in for surgery. Um, it was a successful surgery. We went on our dream uh, trip to Costa Rica. And we literally came home to um, a flashing message on our answering machine to call the surgeon. And the surgeon worded it that, oh, just calling to see how you're doing. And we thought, oh, he's such a nice doctor just checking in. But doctors don't usually call just to say hi. And unbeknownst to us, they send away uh, body parts for, for, for routine testing. And it came back that there was gallstones in his gallbladder, but also cancer. And um uh I we we were devastated even though they, they told us this was caught early. This is never caught routinely like this. So we were grasping onto some hope that it was caught early. And then he had another surgery to um to repair the bile duct or or something, and um it was unsuccessful. The cancer had spread by that point and uh it meant chemo only and um that bubbly positive man i knew that person was gone for a little while and we were in our we were struggling and we were in our darkest hour at that point
2: tell us more about that dark point um what did you do to get through that dark point? Was there any faith at this time? Or were you struggling to understand why God would let this happen to your family?
1: We, we were really struggling. At that point, I was doing everything in my power to uh, raise his spirits because he was so down. I gave him the pep talk of my life that, you know, plan, plan A didn't work. But now we were working on plan B with chemo. And uh, then a niece of ours, um, niece and her husband that we were very close to, said, why don't you come to, to church with us uh, to North Kildona and Mennonite Brethren? And we had attended that that church before, mostly for you know Easter and Christmas uh, and things like that, but not on a regular basis. And I had to kind of coax my husband into going. He wasn't up to, um, he didn't want to face a lot of people, but we went. And this was only a few weeks after his failed surgery. And we were sitting sitting with our niece and her husband, and uh, Pastor Vic said this sermon. And two times during the sermon, I turned to Ernie and whispered, does he know that you're sick? Because it felt like it was directed at us. And he goes, well, no, he doesn't know us. And it's a, it's a larger congregation. And but the sermon, I wish I remembered exactly uh, what it was, but it was turning to God in your darkest hour. Seriously. And I was I, I was overwhelmed by it. And then the band played this song and I literally had to hold onto the pew ahead of me. And the song was um, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And it touched me to my very core because throughout my my marriage with Ernie I I felt I was not worthy of God's love that's how I felt I was not worthy and that song meant so much to me and I went home and I played it over and over and over again obsessively and it became my favorite song and I started to believe maybe I was worthy of God's love, and I am a child of God. And it also encouraged Ernie as well. And we started going to and can be whenever Ernie felt up to it. And it gave us something we were searching for, and that was some peace.
0: I was just gonna say peace. That was the word that was coming to my mind as I was listening to you. It sounded like you started to experience peace. How did how did that peace? change you folks as you continued to fight this battle against ernie's cancer what what changed for you in life every day
1: we now had some hope Uh, particularly it really it helped both of us but it really gave ernie a sense of peace because he knew as a believer he was going to be okay and he would say i'm okay with whatever god has planned for me i struggled a little bit more with that and one of the things he said was you know i just i just pray that i don't i don't have to suffer too much but at this point he was doing really well with chemo and we had gotten some encouraging news And this uh, one time we were waiting for his first um, scan results. And I was beyond nervous and he was his calm, usual self, which could be sometimes annoying. But uh, I remember just waiting in the doctor's office and I had this notepad with with our questions for the doctor. And I was writing, please, God, help us save him, heal him. And I started writing this over and over and over and scribbling it. And Ernie was glancing over at me thinking, hmm. And I was just, it was just screaming in my head, please save him. And the doctor walked in and our normally very serious oncologist smiled and said, I'm very pleased. The cancer is almost gone. And we were weeping with joy. And that gave us just the strength to to keep going. Unfortunately, we still needed to do more chemo. But it felt like my like I I knew sometimes the answer is no from God. But for me, it was like he was whispering yes, and it gave us that hope to keep going.
2: In the midst of all this as well, you felt drawn to God and you ended up getting baptized in this. Yes. Tell us about that.
1: Yes. So uh, uh, in October of that year, we were having uh, lunch with uh, my niece, Jenny, and her husband, Ricky, and they were just rock solid throughout this whole process. And we were just talking about how much we enjoyed going to and can be. And then Jenny says to me really casually, well, you guys should join our church. And then I kind of smiled and said, well, I can't. Ernie's been baptized, but I haven't been. Ernie was baptized uh, when, when he was um, younger. And then she smiles at me and says, well, that can be changed. And I thought, they'll never let me, right? But that, that, old, that old doubt was creeping in my mind again. But the seed was planted. The very next Sunday in church, Pastor Vic started, started talking about baptism classes starting again. And I was new to uh, church, and I didn't realize that happened several times a year. <laughs> so I was like, what? Jenny just talked about me getting baptized, and now they're talking about baptism classes? My, my mind at that time was just blown. I thought, this, this is a sign from God. And then I that doubt was creeping in. No, no, they're 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 not gonna let me. And so I remember leaving uh the church with my husband, and I said, Do you think I can make the cut? That's how I worded it. And he he laughed and then said, and he turned to me in the parking lot and said, If this is what your heart is telling you, yes, absolutely you can make the cut. But then I said, But what if there's a quiz, I'll fail? And then he said there wouldn't be a quiz. And so it took every fiber of my being to go to a baptism class the following Sunday. Um, I remember uh, being in that room with uh, mostly younger people, all from Christian homes, 17, 18 years old, most of them. And and then then there was me. And I knew very, very little about the Bible. And um, that whole first class, I thought any minute he's going to say, who can't get baptized? And as I sat there, I had these thoughts in my head of fraud, fraud. You don't belong here. Just get up and leave. But I stayed, I stayed seated. And at the end of the class, I worked up the nerve to ask Pastor Vic if I could speak to him privately. He said, absolutely. And then I nervously said, I married a divorced man. Can I still be baptized and After he said yes, absolutely, i don't remember what he said after that, I was just so thrilled and uh, But then there was another problem. I had to make a speech, and i'm um, uh, public speaking not a great thing for me and i was i I started having doubts if I could get through it. And I practiced my speech over and over with Ernie till he could have read it for me. That's how much he heard it. And he kept timing me because we were supposed to be four or five minutes or something. And he goes, "It's it's only two and a half minutes, but you're you're reading it so fast. Like you're nervous in front of me. Slow down." And I thought, "Oh boy." And then when it came to um, baptism day, and I, I should interrupt by saying when we when we looked up which day baptism was going to be this was another sign that it was meant to be because Ernie was on two weeks of chemo one week off and so those two weeks of chemo he often couldn't come to church and we looked up the day and that was his week off chemo and to us that just confirmed that this was my time and so when I'm walking into the sanctuary uh, I had these two teenage girls on each side of me And I said to them, I'm going to faint. And the young girls were comforting me. (laughs) And when it came time for my speech, I got up there on wobbly legs. I thought, I'm going to pass. out." That's how nervous I was. But something overcame me when I stood up there. I believe it was the Holy Spirit. And I was calmer, not completely calm, but calmer. And my nephew taped it and it was four and a half minutes, the same speech. So
0: I love hearing. Uh, well, I love hearing how God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit worked in your life. But I also really love hearing throughout this story, how God's people worked in your life, your family, your friends, uh, Pastor Vic. Young teenage girls standing in line with you, right, waiting to get baptized, right? Like the people of God just surrounding you both through this entire journey. That's pretty special, isn't it?
1: It is. It really was. The, the support of, of my church and my family and friends was just um, amazing throughout, our, uh, with, throughout our, our journey.
2: Now, unfortunately, you lost your husband. But you are writing about him now in a book and your story and your testimony. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to do that.
1: When Ernie became ill, I was taking um, a creative writing course and I always loved writing. And then I went to counseling because I was really struggling in the beginning. And he suggested journaling and i began daily journaling quite obsessively and i wrote everything down uh conversations with with doctors you name it i wrote it all down and um we had a a very difficult um journey with his cancer um he he encountered a lot of complications and i continued journaling and um, after he passed i had 10 really thick handwritten journals about about um, his cancer and what we all experienced and because i was still in these uh, writing courses i knew i just had to write about our story and uh, what we went through and i did just finish this book Um, it's about our life together it's about our journey back to god and it's our love story and um i was i wrote it because i thought if it helps just one person going through something similar then it's worth it
0: what was it like for you to write uh was it cathartic um was it difficult to bring up all those feelings as you worked through those journals again was it a little bit of both
1: it it was um because they were handwritten journals uh and I'm a poor typist i ended up uh dictating them to myself mm. and it was extremely painful to mm. to do that but it was also so therapeutic um it it really it really helped me um come to terms with a lot of things i was really angry really angry after um he passed away um and and it i was mostly angry i would say at uh, at doctors um and i blame myself for a lot of things uh, irrationally yes but It really was therapeutic, and and it really helped me
2: heal. I want to take a few steps back. You mentioned after, you know, you got the news that things were looking good. He went for this chemo. But you just mentioned that things got really rough, got horrible. Tell us a little bit about that time and what you did to get through that.
1: So I really struggled. When he was first diagnosed, probably the most because I was terrified of losing him. I suffered from um, almost uh, the really difficult panic attacks. And I also I broke out into hives. Um, These were the physical things that I was struggling with. But. I was struggling with. Why us? Why us? I was even angry at Ernie. I thought, how dare he get cancer? How yeah. could he do this to me? And he was the strong one in our relationship. And I kept thinking it should be me. He would be so good at, at dealing with this so much better than me. And I I, I was really, really struggling with coming to terms with that but yet grasping onto this this little bit of hope that that maybe maybe we could bite like fight it, maybe we could beat it. And so it was such mixed emotions. It it was really hard. And I did things to cope that were not healthy. I turned to alcohol. And I also turned to um, prescription um, medications, um, anti-anxiety things. And um, I combined them. And that's that was somehow sometimes how I coped before a, um, a scary results day. Um, I would have a, a, a glass of alcohol before we went to the doctor to calm down. And um, I realized that I was turning to um, the wrong things but I felt like I, I felt I was, what else could I do? So it it was a lot of things, you know, I I was finding my way back to God, but yet I was still turning to unhealthy things as well to cope.
2: God eventually found you and brought you back, guided you back. How much time did you get from the diagnosis to the time he passed? How much time was the two of you?
1: We had uh, 13 months, um, but unfortunately, the last two and a half he spent in the hospital. And that part of the, the journey was extremely difficult. Um, I pretty much lived at the hospital with him. And we were shuttled from hospital to hospital because of protocol and policies and stuff like that. It was extremely difficult. And it was my my faith that I was clinging to. And another pastor in our uh, church, uh, Paul Hans, he was a godsend literally to me. And he came so many times to the hospital. He followed us from hospital to hospital and he he was just um, rock solid in his support of us. And it, it, it helped so much. And towards the end, I had no idea what to pray for. I didn't want him to go. But yeah, I knew the suffering had to end because the suffering was unbelievable. And I would just pray every day. He would go to this, I would push him in his wheelchair to the, um, to the, the chapel. They called it a spiritual care room. Um, and it was just a beautiful place. And we went there every day. And I would pray for just physical, emotional, and spiritual strength to get through the day. That was my prayer. I didn't know what else to pray for. It, I could not pray for him to go. Um, I couldn't do that. I just, I was leaving it up to, to God and doctors. When doctors would ask me for some decisions, I would I would be like, you guys decide kind of thing. And it, it was such a huge, huge struggle.
0: I really feel like this memoir is going to help a lot of people who are going through um the same experiences that you've gone through. Again, it's called When Forever is Interrupted. Tell us, how can we find the book and how can we find out more info on you?
1: Um, Yes, it's called When Forever is Interrupted and uh, it's on Amazon, Amazon amazon.ca. There is a a Kindle version as well as the the book version and um, you can get the book there, or you can contact me. And uh, I can, uh, if, if you live in, in my area, I could uh, get a book to you or arrange for a book to be brought to you.
2: Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm honoured to be here.
2: Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.